Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode. We're so happy to be with you. Always. Thank you for sending your questions our way. Absolutely. Wendy knows what they are, but I don't. <laughs> That's right. Our listeners who've listened to many episodes, I'm sure are aware that you are an avid reader. I am. Which is interesting because it's it's never fiction, folks. No fiction. He's an avid reader of varieties of nonfiction, of, you know, especially Mostly theology, a lot of spiritual spirituality things. and theology. But sometimes it's about uh, music yep. and interest or other interests. And recently you finished reading a book. I did. That was unique. Unique in my whole life. Right. Because it was written by my father. How about it? My father's name is Soren and he's 80 years old. And five years ago, he hiked the Appalachian Trail from start to finish, starting in Georgia, finishing in Maine. It was a 2,200-plus mile journey. He hiked it with his golden retriever dog, Theo, and he, uh, he was one of the oldest people ever to through-hike the Appalachian Trail. And it was a, a really a lifelong dream fulfilled. When I was a little boy, I remember my dad talking about, one day I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. And he trained for 10 years from age 65 to age 75. He was in training. And he finally did it. And then after he got back from the trail, soon after, I think, he began collecting his journals. He had, he had kept a kind of log as he went along. Mm -hmm. And he decided to turn it into a book. And I've, I've recently finished it. I got an advanced copy of it. It's full of photographs, color photographs of the trail. Uh, if you are an outdoors person, an adventurer, a dog lover, <laughs> if you have a dream that you have held your whole life long and, and still want to fulfill it and need encouragement, uh, this is going to be a great read for you. And if you want, if you also want to know a little bit of the details of some of my family background, and my dad tells some stories uh, about that, this book, yeah, it's a, I mean, I'm biased. My dad wrote it, and I really enjoyed reading it. Uh, but I think, I think people will really enjoy this book. It's, and it's called, called? <laughs> Northbound with Theo. So Northbound, he, he did the Appalachian Trail from south to north. Uh, it took him eight months. Did I mention that? No. It took him eight months to finish this trail. Uh, he, and he faced many obstacles along the way, injuries. He fell over 50 times. He dislocated his shoulder. The last, like, 150 miles of the trail, he couldn't use one of his arms. It was crazy, and he kept going. Um, that was one determined man. Yes, it's called Northbound with Theo. We'll have the link in the show notes. It's available on Amazon and anywhere you you buy books, so yeah, I think you'll I think people will really yeah. enjoy it, and I'm really happy to uh, put in a plug for my my old man's first book. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Any updates from the TUB Institute for us? Yes, uh, it is still not too late to register for free for the revealed event coming up May 13th to the 15th. It's going to be a one of a kind 
online and in-person experience. It's going to be streaming live. We have Father Mike Schmitz coming. We have Jason Everett coming, Matt Frad, Bobby and Jackie Angel, Damon Owens. Uh, who am I forgetting, Wendy? Uh, Abby Ford. Abby Ford from Desert Stream Ministries. Yours truly will be there. Did I mention Jeff Cavins? I can't. Just go to the, click the link and see who <laughs> we have a stellar lineup of Catholic speakers. It's an in-person event, but that's already sold out. The only way to participate now is to stream it. And we're going to have some really fun technology to make this very different than just a talking head experience. So check out the link below in our show notes. And now? And now it's time for our first question from a patron. Here it comes from an anonymous patron. My husband, once a devout Catholic, is falling away from God. Mm. He feels that despite prayer, he doesn't feel God's presence. And it doesn't make sense to him through his reason and logic, he's a huge reason and logic guy, that God would be present, but not let us know he's there in a significant way. He's becoming more agnostic than anything, and it's so hard on my heart. It's causing me to doubt things too. Faith was what initially drew us together, so it's incredibly painful to be experiencing this. I don't know how to love him fully through this. We also have young children I'm trying to encourage in faith, but I feel very alone in this effort. Do you have any insights or advice for me? Bless you, my dear sister. The thing that comes to my mind first and foremost, and it could just sound like pious advice or something trite, but I mean it with all the depth of conviction I can possibly offer you. Pray, 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 pray. Prayer can move mountains. Prayer can change the direction of lives. Prayer can change the course of history. Prayer does change the course of history. And the history of your own husband's life here is in a very dark time. And it may be, in fact, I think we can say with certainty, it's a time where his faith is being tested. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you another thing that's coming to my mind to encourage him to read Mother Teresa's personal writings collected in a book called Come Be My Light. Mother Teresa, this only came out after her death. I'm sure many of our listeners are aware of this, and I would imagine others are not, that for a period of 50 years, with only one or two short reprieves, Mother Teresa was in a, a dark night of faith where she had no sense of God's presence, no consolation that God was present, but was living, again, but for one or two short reprieves over the period of 50 years, she was living in terms of her personal day-to-day -day experience of faith of God, she was living the cry from the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And my best guess is that your husband is experiencing a, a similar kind of cry, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? But instead of allowing that cry to increase his faith, which was the case with Mother Teresa, that cry of feeling abandoned is causing your husband to lose his faith. 
And it is a kind of pivot moment when, and everyone, everyone passes through that cry. Every follower of Christ, if you're really following Christ, if it happened to Christ in one way or another, it's going to happen to you too if you're really following him, which means every single follower of Christ will in his or her own way pass through that dark, dark place of feeling abandoned by God. It can lead us into an increase of faith, or it can lead us to a decrease of faith. So, my dear sister, I would encourage you to ask Mother St. Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, pray for this dear woman's husband, because he's feeling that cry of abandonment. And it can become an increase of faith, as it did for you, Mother Teresa. Please pray that grace would be poured out on him, that his faith would increase, and that he would enter this this paradoxical place of faith where, put it this way, if, if Jesus himself, who is God, experienced the human cry of being abandoned by God, and he is with us in that place of being, feeling abandoned by God, then guess what? Jesus, who is God, who is with us in that place of feeling abandoned by God, if that's true, it means that in that feeling of being abandoned by God, if Jesus is with us, we're not abandoned by God. That's right. But he is, he is in the feeling of abandonment. That's the moment of faith. Jesus is with me in it. The Son of God himself, who is God, God from God, light from light, feels this cry of abandonment with me. That and that alone can increase a person's faith in God in that feeling of being abandoned by God. Wendy, do you have anything you want to add here? There are two things that are really striking me right now. Um, the first one is that sometimes we have put some conditions on our following of the Lord without realizing it and and we start to realize it when our conditions aren't met <laughs> and suddenly our hearts are saying wait a minute i thought by following you this would happen that's our little conditional consent to follow the lord that gets uncovered by our life circumstances we all experience that and if there's some of the things that you're sharing about just struggles in your heart with your faith i i see the lord asking you to have a deeper, unconditional yes to him, that he is going to strengthen you for loving your husband through this experience that you didn't wish for, it wasn't how you pictured your life together, that he would have this experience. But the Lord is absolutely with you, and he's giving you that peace, if you're open to it, of knowing he is with you. He's not abandoned you. If you can allow him to help you to let go of that, any conditions you've placed on your yes to him, I think that's the first thing I would encourage you to do. And you absolutely need to make time for prayer. Prayer was the first thing Christopher said in answering this. It doesn't just mean, you know, a, a, a quick prayer. It means you need some time for deeper prayer to go through this because the Lord needs to strengthen you and guide you as a wife, loving your husband through this difficult time. If I can just add here, lover, I hope mm -hmm. you don't mind my 
saying that I know you're speaking from experience here. Yes. That tough times we've been through in our marriage, things you did not bargain for or think were coming your way in marrying me, did come our way, your way, and took you through a real, real struggle, a real dark place where you had to you know, the, 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 the nice feelings of being married and the nice mm-hmm. feelings of following the Lord were no longer there. And you really had to cry out in that sense of abandonment and, and press through with a, a real kind of naked faith where you yourself learned how to pray more deeply and intercede for me because I was going through really difficult things. And there is no doubt in my mind, Wendy, that you're pressing through that really, really dark time, difficult time of abandonment, feeling abandoned by the Lord, has borne tremendous fruit in our marriage. Mm. Praise God for, for which that. I am so grateful to mm-hmm. you. Yes. Yeah, so that's so hopeful. And that's the other thing I really wanted to say. Uh, was about hope. And before I do, I also want to say, please, my comment about of having conditions on our yes to the Lord is not meant to um, sound like a, I don't know, like I'm chastising you or something. It's just something I'm seeing because I can relate to it. That's all. I can relate to that, having the Lord reveal to me the conditions that I've placed. So I hope you know that's coming from a place of I get it. (laughs) I get it. Um, but also, I really want to encourage you to pray for hope and that the Lord would give you times of consolation and hope, hope for your children, hope for your husband to be strengthened in faith and to become once again, not only you know, a man of faith, but a man of deeper faith that, that the Lord can do amazing things. And that is why you're praying. That is why you're praying, because you want grace to win. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we ask right now for our dear listener and for her husband, a mighty outpouring of grace experienced and received as an increase in faith that in this cry of abandonment, they are more united with Jesus, with God, that God's manifestation of his presence may in fact be this dark experience, which itself can be a union with the Lord. Lord, thank you for entering our dark times. Thank you for entering right into our hells. Thank you for entering right into our cry of abandonment. Thank you for being with us in there. Please allow this husband to recognize your divine presence in this cry of abandonment. Amen. Amen. Next question is from an anonymous listener. I've been married for almost four years, and my husband and I have two daughters. I recently attended a wedding of an old co-worker, and there were other old co-workers in attendance. This included a man I used to work with who I sort of had a crush on. My husband and I talked to him for a while at the wedding. I am extremely attracted to this man, both physically and to his personality. It felt like lots of old feelings coming to the surface, and they were so strong. I wanted to keep talking to him. I wanted to dance with him. I felt regret that I never dated him when I worked with him. 
all these feelings while my husband was standing right next to me. Bless you, bless you, bless you. I feel like a horrible wife. This wedding was five days ago, and he's been on my mind since then. I've had lustful thoughts of him, and I feel like I've betrayed my husband. What I think makes me feel validated in having these feelings is that my husband has struggled with porn in the past. So I guess my thought process sometimes is, since he's done that, then it's not so bad I'm having these feelings. My heart and mind are all over the place. I feel so lost. I've cried a lot mm. about the guilt of having these feelings, but I also feel sad that I didn't take the opportunity when I was single to date this man. It feels like an unanswered question now. I don't think this man considers himself a Christian, which is always something I required in a spouse, so it kind of baffles me as to why I'm so attracted to him. How can I find peace about this situation and move forward? Wow, 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 wow. Bless you, bless you, bless you. What you're sharing is oh so human. Yes. Uh, thank God you and I, Wendy, have never had feelings for anybody but each other during <laughs> our marriage. Why are you laughing? I don't know. That was a stupid way of saying Wendy and I can both relate. Uh, it's just a, it's a very normal human experience. It can be very overwhelming, confusing, um, exciting in a kind of tempting way. And it reminds me of something I read in a book a year ago or so, it's a really, really good book on the dark night of the soul, uh, the teachings of St. John of the Cross. We are just talking about passing through dark nights and what that means, and I think we talked about it on our previous episode too, didn't we? Yeah. Um, anyway, the, this this book is called The Dark Night. It's uh, The subtitle is Psychological Experience and Spiritual Reality. It's by Father Mark Foley. And we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I, I just grabbed it off my shelf here as Wendy was reading the question. And this might take a little time, but I think it's it's really worth it to go through the certain section. This section of the book, it's on page 115. It's called The Emergence of Regressive Longings. Hmm. Regressive here means uh, to regress, means to, to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he, he tells the story of a woman named Anne, I'm sure he's changed the names here, who was uh, a married woman like yourself. She was married with two children. She had been pursuing a certain career as a professor, uh, but she had to give that up to raise her children. She was going through certain struggles in her marriage, and she started daydreaming. Uh, and this is this is an actual case study. This is a spiritual director who's changed the names of people he's helping, got their permission to tell their stories, etc. So this is a real story. This this woman, he, who he calls Anne, in this difficult place in her marriage, started daydreaming about an old boyfriend named Bob, I'm, I'm reading here, with whom she used to go steady in college. And this was 20 years ago, 20 years earlier. Uh, the book goes on, it says, at first these daydreams were intermittent, but recently Bob has been on her mind constantly, and sometimes Anne feels he's with her. Bob's presence, he has that in quotes, the feeling of his presence produces a bittersweet sweet mood in Anne that is so poignant at times that it makes her cry. At other times, his image in her mind creates a strange melancholic mood within her, a nostalgia for something she cannot name. 
a kind of paradise lost yearning for something that she cannot fully grasp. Anne feels guilty because she believes she is being unfaithful to her husband. She's also confused. She doesn't understand what's happening to her, and she's too ashamed to talk to anyone about it. Uh, he goes on to, to say that, that what's really going on is, is we can look at from a psychological perspective, but also a spiritual perspective. And he says this a couple pages later. He says, from a psychological perspective, we can view Anne's fantasies as a natural phenomenon of the psyche. They are the psyche's attempt to soothe Anne's pain from the difficulty she's going through in her personal life and in her marriage. They are expressive of a pleasure principle that we all have in our psyche and is embedded in that part of our nature. However, he goes on to say, from a spiritual perspective, Anne's fantasies are part of the cross that follows upon her choice to do God's will. Her choice to endure her fantasies as she chooses to remain faithful to God's will, that's the key line, right? So these, these, these fantasies kind of visit upon her. Not that she's not that the priest is saying here, you should actively foster these fantasies, but as these flashes of memories come, as that nostalgic feeling returns, as you find yourself kind of unwittingly daydreaming about this person, he says, Anne's choice to endure all of that that's going on in her mind and heart regarding this old boyfriend of hers, choosing to endure that while remaining faithful to God's will is an example of what St. John of the Cross calls the passive night. The passive night of purification that Anne must endure consists in enduring these experiences while not giving into the, the, the temptation to take these longings to this old boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So why I wanted to share this, this is so important because we experience, the, we experience these things at a, at a psychological level and at a deep spiritual level where we, we can have these attractions, we can, we can even have these kind of daydreams, and we think we're, we're being unfaithful to our spouse. And truth be told, if we were to foster those things, uh, in a in a kind of active fantasy, uh, and and you know put fuel on the fire, that would be a kind of infidelity of the heart. And all the more, if if this woman who's asked us this question, if she were to act on these feelings, that would be real infidelity. But enduring those feelings, enduring those kind of unwitting daydreams, enduring that yearning. She said, I, I, I feel regret that I didn't date him back when I had the chance. Enduring those movements of your heart while remaining to, faithful to God's will for your life, which is certainly fidelity to your husband. Yes. This is how those misdirected desires get rightly directed. It's not a time to be beating yourself up. It's not a time to be chastising yourself. It's a time to, to, in a prayerful place, 
bring what you're feeling, as you're feeling it, all that you're feeling, to the Lord in prayer. Uh, when I've gone through things like this, I know, Wendy, when you've gone through things like this, we both have found journaling that stuff out to the Lord, like mm -hmm. writing a letter to the Lord in your journal. Lord, this is what I'm feeling towards this person. Without editing it, without making it pious, just sharing it as it's really being experienced. These are windows into your soul. And in a particular way, there are windows into wounds in your marriage. You yourself um, mentioned the wound that your husband's uh, emotional and you know, the life of fantasy, et cetera, that goes on with pornography. That is real adultery in the heart. Your husband has committed adultery in his heart, and that has wounded you. Rather than using that wound that you experience from your husband as a kind of justification for what you're going through, as in I'm not as bad as he was, rather let this be the occasion for opening what you are going through entirely to the Lord, writing it out as a letter to the Lord, and asking the Lord to shine His light on what these attractions, what these desires, what these fantasies reveal about your own state in life, your, your regressive longings, dreams from your childhood, dreams from your teenage years, dreams of, of how you hoped your life might turn out that hasn't, hasn't turned out that way. How can you open those places in your heart to the Lord? Precisely by giving Him what you're experiencing in your attraction to this man. It's, it's not something you should uh, be, let me be clear here. It's it's not something you should follow, but nor is it something you should kind of hastily uh, try to shut down in your heart. Rather, it's something you should open to the Lord, because these are places in your heart the Lord wants to minister to, to bring healing, to bring integration, to bring hope. Uh, those dreams that you had as a child, uh, or as a young person, or however old you were when you, you worked with this person years ago, however long it was, uh, you know, the hope that you could have dated him or would have dated him, that's a window into something in, in your heart that the Lord really wants to minister to and redirect in a holy, life-giving, healing direction. And I think, too, all of these things are um, need to be covered with prayer. And I, I love what you said about faithfulness to God's will, because we can just be so washed about by the waves of these emotions that if we don't have any anchor, it's going to be a shipwreck. Right, right. Yes, yes. Uh, but we have that anchor that the Lord wills us to be faithful to our vows, that that's where His grace is, that's where His blessing is. So if we have that, then we can understand, and you may have some perspective from listening to other episodes of our podcast or other things that you've learned of Theology of the Body, that there is, there is an enemy of our marriages that wants to destroy yes, them, yes. wants to make us not faithful, you know, and so... That enemy can tempt us um, to 
you know, reject the the spouse that we have or to just entertain a notion of life would be easier here. Yep, yep. They would be happier. Yep. All those kinds of things are a tactic of the evil one to, you know, keep us from the hard work of fidelity, which is far more worthwhile than following those kinds of temptations. So and to, I, if I can put a, just a biblical phrase to yeah. what you're saying there, Wendy, you're experiencing the whispers of the enemy to come down from your cross. Right. That's what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And the litmus test of, is this promise of happiness from the Lord or not, is does it involve the cross? The litmus test that shows it's the enemy, or, or you know, the, the, the proof that it is the enemy, the enemy will hold out a promise of happiness that bypasses the cross. Mm. Remember what Jesus said to Peter when Peter said, Jesus, never should that happen to you. You'll never, you, you should never go to the cross. You should never die in that way. What does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Marriage involves a real cross. It's a real cross. You're experiencing that. And Wendy, you are right to give all the seriousness of saying, if you go the wrong direction here, it's a shipwreck. Mm. But but there's also like a principle of spiritual jiu-jitsu here, <laughs> where when the enemy throws a temptation at us, right. we can use it in in th- in to grow. That's the that's the principle of jiu-jitsu. When yeah. when the enemy comes at you with the force, you use that force that he's throwing at you to throw it back on him, so that he's defeated. Right. Right. So whatever the enemy might be throwing at you, you can with God's grace. Be, you can allow it to be transformed into a great victory. And that's the steps that that this book, uh, The Dark Knight, by Father Mark Foley, can help walk you through. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Wendy, to interrupt there, but I thought that was important. No, I didn't think it was an interruption. I felt it was a, a conclusion. I, I really, um, I am so glad that this listener shared this. I feel like many of our listeners can relate yeah, to what yeah. you've shared. And um, it is... It's a surprising experience, and I am so grateful that you contacted us. Yes, thank you so much, and thank you for your just stark honesty. Yes. That's how we heal, Mm -hmm. Uh, and be that honest directly with Jesus. He already knows everything about your heart, but he he awaits each of us to, to be that honest directly with him. Bless you, bless you, bless you. This is a, a pivotal moment in your marriage could go south, but if you allow grace into all those movements of your heart, it really will launch you into a, a much deeper intimacy with the Lord and with your husband. Bless you. Our next question is from an anonymous listener who says, I enjoy contemplating the mysteries of our faith as I pray the rosary, but whenever I come to the ascension, I find some anger within my heart. Hmm. I understand his gift of the Eucharist and of the Holy Spirit, but it still feels in many ways uh, as though he abandoned uh, us. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Why did Jesus ascend into heaven? Oh, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I get it. I get it. At first I was a little puzzled, but now I get it. Yeah, let me quote directly from the Catechism of the Catholic Church here. This is Catechism 661. 
It says the ascension is closely linked to the incarnation. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Left to its own natural powers, humanity does not have access to God's life and happiness. However, Catechism goes on to say, because of Christ's ascension, and here's the key line, because of his ascension, we now have confidence that we too shall go where Christ has preceded us. Why has Christ ascended into heaven? Not to be separated from us, but to prepare a place for us. Remember he says uh, to his disciples, I go to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. This is actually nuptial language. To the Jewish people, they understood this very well. Part of the Jewish custom was that during the betrothal, they were already married, but it was what they called the time of betrothal, the bridegroom would go to his father's house to prepare a place for the bride. Mm. Remember, Jesus says, there are many rooms in my father's house. I am going to prepare a place for you. Again, that is specifically spousal language. And remember also, Jesus says, unless I go, I cannot send the Spirit. What is the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the bond that unites us with and in the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the bond, the eternal bond between the Father and the Son. The ascension of Christ's humanity into the life of the Trinity is not a distancing from us, but it is precisely without the ascension of Christ's body into the Trinity, the Spirit would not have been sent. And the Spirit is the pledge, it's the down payment, if you will, that we will also be taken up eternally into the eternal exchange of bliss that is the Trinity. This time of what even the Bible says, the bridegroom will be taken away, this time where it seems the bridegroom has been taken away, but you, you, can't, you can't just focus on that scripture. You also have to hold that together with, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you to the end of the age. Right? Hold those two together. Where is he with us? Where has he not forsaken us? Right in the Eucharist and in all the sacraments, but particularly in the Eucharist. Christ is with us. And yet, saint after saint after saint, reflects on this feeling, and it came up in an earlier question, of, of feeling abandoned. Right? This is part of the journey. There's that, that experience of the bride in the Song of Songs where she feels that the bridegroom has abandoned her, and she, she runs up uh, out, of her, out of the bridal chamber. She had been ready for union. She had unclothed. She had undressed. She was waiting for union. The Lord seems to come. The bridegroom comes, and then the bridegroom turns and goes, and she's like, whoa, 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 where's the bridegroom going? All of that is, is, is biblical imagery to capture this experience that we can feel and is part of the journey of feeling abandoned by the Lord. However, again, saint after saint after saint also attests to going through that passage, that Passover of feeling abandoned, 
this is precisely the doorway to what the saints call nuptial union with the Lord, which is to say the most profound oneness, the most profound intimacy, the exact opposite of that feeling of abandonment is that that profound oneness with Jesus. This is what we are created for. This is what we are destined for. That sense of separation that we can sometimes have in this earthly existence, it is, in the perspective of eternity, it is a blip on the screen. This life is a blip, and it is preparing us for an eternal union in the Father's house as the bride of the Father's Son, one with Him, one with the Father, in the bond of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can enter that is by trusting in the Lord's ascension, which is the opening of the door to that intimacy. Mm. I love that image from the Jewish yeah, isn't it awesome? wedding tradition. I go to my father's house to prepare, to prepare a, place a place for you. your bridegroom. Yes. For you. Yes. For you. For you, dear listener. Yeah. He has gone to the father's house to mm. prepare a place for you. Treasure that promise in your heart. Treasure it. I remember when I was a girl, I used to love the song that we would sing on the Feast of the Ascension. Uh, Alleluia, sing to Jesus. Mm. It was my favorite hymn. Alleluia, sing. That one? Yes. Well, the second verse is about the Ascension, and it starts out, um, Alleluia, not as orphans are we Oof. left in sorrow now. And it's talking about his leaving. And I think partly because I had lost my father at a young mm. age, I had this feeling of the sorrow of feeling left. And so this song that just spoke right to that, you know, we're not left in sorrow. It concludes with, shall our hearts forget his promise? I am with you evermore. There. It just ministered to me in mm. that place of not wanting to be abandoned and, you know, wanting to be with him forever. Mm. So mm. I really can relate to the the tenderness of that mystery of his going, but the the bridal imagery of it, of the bride and bridegroom is so helpful, so beautiful. Lord, thank you for that promise. Thank you. Thank you. We need to know that you have have not left us, uh, but in that mystery of what seems like a leaving, you are, you are preparing a place for us, and we will be with you forever. And Wendy, get this, all these listeners of our podcast that we've never even met, yeah. if we all say yes to this wedding proposal, we'll be all together. Mm. We can't wait to be with you guys forever. What a promise. What Amen. a treasure. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Thank you, Lord, for that living hope. If you have had a little hope breathed into your lungs today, we hope you have. I'm sure you know other people who need that little in-breathing of hope as well. Click that share button on your podcast, on your screen, and help us get this good news out to a world that really, really needs to hear it. We love doing this for you guys. We we are so blessed in doing it. Wendy, I, I feel like I just what you shared there helped me to know your 
your heart more. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful to the Lord that that song ministered to your yeah, heart. So mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. It's such a great example of how uh, music, uh, a hymn like that can just speak right into a very tender need of the heart. And I, I just want to praise you, God, for loving my wife that much when she was young and mm. in the taking of her father when she was just eight years old, that you did not abandon her mm -hmm. and that you have all this time been preparing a place for Wendy to dwell also with her father forever. I can't wait to meet your father in heaven, Wendy. <laughs> I know. Gosh, darn it, it's going to be awesome. Why do I say darn it? No, gosh, glory. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> anyway, I'm rattling now. Share this podcast. Somebody you know needs to hear it. And until we're together again on our next episode, may you know it in your bones. You are a gift. Become what you are. <laughs>